The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Ellis Martin Report. You'll hear expert insight, commentary, and potential financial opportunity. We want you to know up front, eyes wide open, companies featured on this program have given us cash money to be portrayed here. Some of the analyst segments are sponsored as well. Ellis Martin may have a financial position in issues mentioned on this program. Whatever. I'm telling you now so you don't wonder later. Have I ever lied to you? No. And I'm not going to start now. So why bring it up? You know how it makes me feel. I'm a sensitive guy. (laughs) I'm the announcer for the Ellis Martin Report, and I'm okay with my feelings. Okay, on the web, find us at ellismartinreport.com. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. Welcome to the program. Today we're going to speak with Mark Lasky, the CEO of the Psychic Friends Network. You heard me correctly. The Psychic Friends Network is back and high-tech for the 21st century, and they're publicly traded on the -the over-the-counter bulletin board under the symbol PFNI. We're going to learn all about it in just a minute. We'll also speak with Dudley Baker of CommonStockWarrants.com, and we'll catch up with him just before he heads out to Zacatecas, Mexico, to check out sponsor Excalibur Resources' production site. Money, metals, and mining analyst David Morgan discusses the inverse relationship between the dollar and gold. And we'll chat with Ian Chalmers of Alkane Resources in Australia, Zirconia, rare earths and rare metals, gold, and more. Alkane trades under the symbol ANLKY. Now let's begin the program. This is the Ellis Martin Report. Today I'm speaking with Mark Lasky, the CEO of the Psychic Friends Network. Now, why are we speaking about the Psychic Friends Network on a financial program? Well, friends, it's because the Psychic Friends Network is a publicly traded company trading on the -the over-the-counter bulletin board under the symbol PFNI, and their stock is trading near one cent, a cent. Mark, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. The Psychic Friends Network is probably the most recognizable name in the world as far as the business of psychic consultation is concerned. Take us through the network as it was in the 90s on TV with Dionne Warwick and bring us into the 21st century and how you're relaunching it now. Well, back in the 1990s, pretty much the only way we marketed was through television, a little bit of radio, and the only way to connect one of our psychics was through the telephone. People had to call from their home phone. It was billed to their home phone. That alone was incredibly successful. But what I like to say is we really succeeded beyond anyone's expectations with one arm tied behind our back because it was the only way to connect was through a phone. Now, today, because of new technologies that we have, we think the mobile application is going to be the biggest thing of all time where people can just be on their mobile phone and look at different psychics that are available and click buttons and connect instantly. On the website, we have video chat where you can actually see and be seen if you prefer or not if you don't want, but you can be seen, you can see a psychic, you can connect to them audio or video chat. We also have text messaging and of course the old, the regular old phone line if you prefer that as well. So basically, 
You could have a question about anything. You pull out your smartphone, click on the app, and you get your question answered. Yep, and you also be able to connect on your iPad as well, your tablets, your iPhones, and websites, and just call, or you can just call directly. Now, I'm not suggesting to our audience that anyone gets psychic counseling. I wouldn't do that. But by gosh, how many people read their horoscopes online or on their phones every day? And I would venture to guess that there are millions of folks who at one time or another have actually gone to see a psychic in person or have ventured out online to get answers to questions about the future. You're in the business to capitalize on that. How will you translate that into revenue for the company? Well, to address your point, we always say we're an entertainment company. For entertainment purposes only is the disclaimer we used to have to say, and we actually love it because it is entertaining. So, yeah, a lot of people just like check their horoscopes every day, and other people want to get it more in-depth. They want to know what's going to happen. During uncertain economic times, more and more people want someone to speak to. Some people like to maybe see a psychiatrist. Some people like to speak to their friends. Some people want to call a psychic because they have good, insightful information that can help guide them through their daily life. So, basically, you're talking to a quote-unquote friend. That's why we came with the name Psychic Friends, because it is very much like a friend. In fact, it is that way, and you could actually call the same person and connect with them each time that you call. And you can create a relationship like a friend. Next time you call back or contact them through our mobile app or through our video chat, they could say, Hey, Mark, how are you? I remember you. So how's it going with your wife? Or how's it going with your brother? How's your job? You know, they can follow up and then recall their previous conversation. I know that one of my peers in the world of investments has purchased stock in your company. Because why not? I'm a shareholder. You're about to launch a large media campaign. The word will be out all over again. If folks learn that you're publicly traded and at a penny, one would think, although there are absolutely no guarantees, that there might, there might be some upward momentum in the stock. And that's why you're on this particular program. Yeah, you know, I may be biased, but to me, it's, it's a natural. It's got the brand name people remember. It's got new technologies. It worked tremendously in the 90s, grossing upwards of $150 million a year in the 1990s just with telephone. Not only is it a bigger market because of different ways to connect, but we feel the, the market is now skewing a little younger. We're getting more and more young people who are connecting because of things like our technology who wouldn't have called previously. And we're also international because anybody now can connect through their website or their mobile phone anywhere in the world. So yeah, the sky's the limit. We're very, very excited about our future can't wait to get going. So Mark, let me ask you, what kind of marketing are you doing right now? Well, again, my background is in production and television, so I'm very excited to announce that we just finished a brand new commercial. It's a jingle where there's going to be a song about calling the Psychic Friends Network, and I think people will be really excited to hear it. And I think it's really high quality, like we've always done high quality productions. I think that it's going to be very exciting, and it's going to take over the market again, like our old commercials used to. How'd you get into the business? What's your background? I personally came out to Los Angeles to become a producer. I went to USC Film School for a year and ended up starting a production company with a friend. And, you know, we ended up falling into the infomercial production business. And it was my father who originally launched the Psychic Friends Network back in 1992. They landed Dionne Warwick to host the show because she was an actual client of the psychic that we got named Linda Georgian to host the show. So Dionne Warwick did not want to shoot it in Baltimore. She only wanted to shoot in L.A. And because of Dionne Warwick's refusal to go to Baltimore, I ended up getting the job producing the first Psychic Friends Network infomercial, which went on to become the number one infomercial for about five years straight, maybe seven of nine years, I believe, in, in the, the reports they used to do on that. It led to a very successful production career for myself. I and mean, it wasn't until just a couple of years ago I decided that, hey, you know, we still have this brand name. We really need to relaunch this. People still remember 
remember that brand name. Anybody over the age of 20, I would say, completely remembers it and gets it. They get it when you tell them, oh God, you're back. That makes sense. I love it. New technologies, old brand name. One of the things I'm passionate about is when they take an old building and they modernize it with new amenities. Uh, I always had this great idea, I thought, to take an old Ford Thunderbird and put in GPS navigation and DVD players and all the new technologies. That's sort of what we're doing. We're taking an old brand, old technology and making it new again. I'm passionate about that. Well, you couldn't do that until recently. The technology is really in place now for you to monetize this globally. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I say, why didn't we do this sooner? But I think you're right. Timing is everything. And if you ask the psychics we speak to that work on our network, they always say timing is right. Timing is never better than right now. Well, Mark, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I'm looking forward to seeing the rollout of the Psychic Friends Network, and we'll keep our audience informed during the coming weeks. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Mark Lasky, the CEO of the Psychic Friends Network Incorporated, trading on the -the over-the-counter bulletin board under the symbol PFNI. You can listen to the segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartreport.com, and catch the Ellis Martin Report in its entirety on iTunes. Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine, you'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. If you listen to all of them, your mind will be saturated with money juice. That's what I call it. That's ellismartinreport.com. The following segment is sponsored by Xterra Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol XAG.V. Xterra plans to become a mid-tier producer of silver and base metals through the development of its Bilbao deposit located in the central Mexican mineral belt in the state of Zacatecas, as well as through additional exploration and acquisition opportunities. Find Xterra on the web at xterra.ca. Join me for a conversation with a frequent guest of the show, David Morgan, the Silver Guru, an expert on money, metals, and mining, also a lecturer and an author. Mr. Morgan has written Get the Skinny on Silver Investing, available on Amazon.com. His website is themorganreport.com. David, welcome back to the program. Well, it's great to be back. Now, you forwarded me a comment from one of your subscribers for discussion on today's broadcast. And the comment is certainly something we've touched on before in earlier conversations. Let me just read the comment from subscriber Colin. Hi, David. Enjoying your basic plus membership. I've been reading Martin Armstrong's website. Martin has some strong views that make sense. Gold won't go up until 2015, 2016. The dollar will get a lot stronger in coming years. The S&P likely to double in the next three years. And he's certainly not a hyperinflation believer. Could you maybe do a podcast about where you and Martin agree and disagree on these issues? Thanks. David, what are your thoughts? First of all, I have read Martin Armstrong's website. I certainly wouldn't say I've read it in its entirety. I have not. Also, I would mention that uh, at the Liberty Forum that I did in Dallas, Martin was one of the guests. Unfortunately, I guess he had some issues and couldn't make it physically, but he did come on a podcast. One, let me state that I think he's very well respected, as he should be, and a very good, deep thinker, and he's got a lot of insights into monetary issues. So I'm going to attack him one at a time. Gold going up. Now, I don't know his exact work, but in the context of what I think and what our work shows, 
I agree. What I mean by that, and more specifically, is let's just revisit the last bull market. If you've looked at some of my work, and I think he's a Basic Plus member, so he's probably seen some of the videos. And I've been repeating what Jeff Christian said early on in the bull market, that 90% of the move comes in the last 10% of the time. And I kind of parroted that. I, I knew we had a huge move in the last part of the time, but I didn't really know what the numbers were. And I actually did a whole presentation on that and determined that I think it was 87% of the move came in the last 7% of the time. Not to pick hairs, I just didn't do the arithmetic. I have done it since, and I think that's the exact numbers. But the idea that 90% of the move comes in the last 10% of the time. So this could be totally acceptable to my thinking that we could move higher in through 2014 and higher into 2015, but in 2000, say at the end of 2015, I think someone told me it was 2015.75, which would mean the fourth quarter 2015, and I don't know how far he projects it out into 2016, where you'll get the final peak. But this would be very similar to the way one markets move. I mean, if you look at the tech bubble, how it moves, you look at the housing bubble, you look at all those type of markets, any market really, once it gets very, very extremely overbought, it accelerates rapidly. So doesn't mean that the metals will be flat until that time. And I don't know what he thinks, but what I think, and you're asking me what I think, what I think is that you'll see them work their ways higher. I think we're going to you know, get to 26 on silver this year after being as high as 48. In 2014, work even higher, work higher into 2015. And then at this, whatever that trigger point is, and no one really knows, I think Martin says he does, and perhaps he does. I won't argue that. Time will tell. Whatever that point is, and you get this huge acceleration. So going back to the 1980s bull market, silver started in 1979 around $6 and ended January 19th at 50 So you made eight-fold on your money in the last year of time if that was about a 15-year bull market. So if this is a similar 15, 16-year bull market, will you get that last eight-fold increase in the last year's time? I don't know. But what I am suggesting is that's how the market moved last time. I think we see something similar this time. So I would say we somewhat agree. My time frame for the peak is around that time frame. So let's leave it at that. The next point in the comment was the dollar will get a lot stronger in the coming years. The S&P likely to double in the next three years. Certainly not a hyperinflation believer. First of all, I don't rule anything out. There's a lot of gold believers, gold bugs, you might say, that are, you know, make a strong case that gold is inversely correlated to the dollar. And they even put up charts. I can name a few. Ian McAvity, for one, he can take a chart of the dollar and then flip it around on one of those overhead projector screens, which you have to be about my age to even know what those are, and then overlay it on a gold chart, and they almost overlay. So you can make a strong case that the dollar and gold are inversely correlated. But really, from my work and what I studied and from people that have been before me, it's really a reflection on overall economic health. If we had a inflationary boom, not a hyperinflationary boom, and things looked better or appeared better, or even if not, you could just pump up the economy with these dollars coming in, and you could certainly do what he has suggested here. Now, do I agree with that or not? I think it's more likely that you would see what the main trend is, and gold is the most negatively correlated asset to the stock market. But that doesn't mean day-to-day, minute-to-minute, week-to-week. And let me just back up a little bit and mention a name here, and that's David Ben Simon. And David wrote a book, I forget the name of it, but it's a financial publication. It was like a $750 book. 
And he uses a very similar strategy to what I think Martin Armstrong does. And I don't want to misstate anything because Martin isn't here to speak for himself. So it's my interpretation, and uh, I may be misstating this. But he uses this pi factor, this golden ratio, I think it is. And what it does is it shows the movement of gold and silver and what their ultimate tops are. And in that, he says that the overall markets will pretty much all be going up. And Robert Prechter's made that argument as well, all these markets moving together. So it, it has happened. Could it happen again? Yes. Do I think it will happen? I would be more inclined to see the dollar neutral to down as the stock market goes up and goes, goes up even more, and then a breakaway at some point. So I don't know what the time frame is here. So let me just pause a second and gather my thoughts and just say that, yeah, you could see what he's saying, the dollar going higher, the stock market going higher as gold rebuilds its base and comes back up and silver rebuilds its base and comes back up. And as far as hyperinflation, I agree. I do not see hyperinflation. I see inflation, which we have, although it's certainly not noted by the government's statistics, but I would argue that the inflation rate is far higher than what is stated in the official figures. And secondly, I think that you'll start seeing some of the money pour into the mainstream economy. Right now, all of the money that's been, you could say, printed, electronic digit money that's been pushed out in the system is sitting in the bank's balance sheets. It really hasn't gone out into new loans. And even uh, wealthy corporations are sitting on a great deal of cash. So if or when that cash starts to move in the economy, it's got to go somewhere. Well, gold is a very small market, uh, silver even smaller, but the stock market is a pretty vast market. And the currency markets are huge. So that money, if it's released, in other words, the banks start to loan it out into the market, certainly you can make that argument. So do I agree? Somewhat. The one that I'm most certain about is the, is the gold-silver situation. Uh, I think in the, they were pretty much in agreement, although I don't know exactly what his curve looks like. And I don't know. No one knows the market. I mean, it's going to do what it's going to do. But I see it basing and moving higher. And it would be a good time to be in gold from this point all the way to the end but you're not going to get the huge gains. I'll restate something I've said on other programs, and that is the easy money's been made. The money that's been made from the early 2000s up until, say, the 2011 peak in silver, that was fairly easy. We were in a bull market, and, you know, of course, it's very volatile, I admit that, but that was the big leg that was fairly easy just to buy and hold all the way through, and if you're lucky enough to get out the top, then great. The big money is ahead of us. Now, what I mean by big money is rapidly increasing appreciation, especially in the mining stocks. But it's going to be tricky because what happens is it becomes a feeding frenzy. It becomes a manic, panic, buying frenzy. And anyone that's thinking outside of the box, if it can only go higher and there's no tomorrow and gold's going to pick a number, zero, you know, one zero 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 zero. I mean, things just get absurd, and that's what happens at market tops. It's really hard to stay cool, calm, and collected and say, no, this is overvalued. We're going to take some money off the table. So that's what I'm looking for, again, in the same time frame as him. So you're basically in agreement with Martin Armstrong, but not necessarily aligning yourself with noted hyperinflationist John Williams. The only argument I have with John, I believe, is statistics. And it depends how you define hyperinflation, but advanced capital markets have bonds, and that's what we have. And right now, interest rates are going up, and the Fed doesn't really have much control as most people think. The Fed is worried that the interest rates are going up. And in fact, Ben Simon talks about that in his book. And 
as those interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So that's deflationary. So that takes money out of the system more or less. In other words, if you have to cash your bonds out, you're going to get less money paid for them at $1,000 face value. If interest rates keep going up and up and up, you might get 900 for it, 800 for it, or 700 for it, or whatever. So that is a counterbalance to the hyperinflationary argument. And that's really what happened in 1980. People say, well, gold couldn't go up as interest rates rise. Well, that's not true. Gold went up during the interest rates rising until Volcker moved them up at such a rapid rate and they were, and real interest rates became positive. So let's define that quickly. If the true inflation rate is like 9% or so, I think what John Williams says, then you have to get real interest rates to 11 or 12 before the real rate is a positive 2%. So how do you get the positive 2%? If you have a 10% inflation rate and a 12% yield, now the real rate back to you is 2% because you have to subtract out the true inflation rate. So these are concepts that I think a lot of our listeners are aware of. Some aren't. It takes a little bit of work and study, and if you don't understand it, you probably would like to read Martin Armstrong's work, maybe read some of mine, but that's the basics of it. So you could see gold continue to go up as interest rates go to you know 3%, 4%, 5%. So, geez, gold's going up, well, interest rates are going up, and the reason is yes, because the real rate is not positive yet. It looks positive if you don't know what's really going on in the economy and how to really measure things. But if you understand it, and that's what Volcker did to stop the gold market. He basically slammed the brakes on when he put interest rates up over 17%. When interest rates go up like that or coming close to going up like that, it's often not a bad sign for the economy, is it? Well, it depends. First of all, the market should determine interest rates. And then then you're going to have an economy that's more free market. The market's allowed without any interference to determine what interest rates are. Then you're going to, the market will balance what the true cost of money is. But when you have a banking consortium that can dictate what the cost of money is, it distorts things greatly. And that's what we've had. You have huge misallocations of capital. So since we've had that for so long, you've got these huge misallocations, and some of this money doesn't know where to go, so it goes you know, wherever it can. It goes in the housing market, it goes in, it creates a bubble, and then that bursts, it goes in the tech thing, it goes to going into bonds. I mean, bonds are the biggest bubble that's out there, and then that one's starting, there's a pinprick in the bond market right now because interest rates are going up. So is it a good thing? Interest rates, I'm neutral on it if the market determines them. If you put them up too high, then it chokes off all economic activity other than people that have money that they can push in and save it. In other words, the best move you could have made in the last bull market in gold was to sell it at the top or near the top. So say you got out at 700 and buy the 30-year bond and you know yielding like 17%. And then as interest rates came down, those bond prices went up. So, I mean, that was the sweetest deal on the planet. For 30 years, you were getting a 17% yield, and the value of your bonds just kept increasing, 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 increasing. That trade has ended. It's been a 30-year wonder bar. I mean, that's been the best thing you could have done. But that day's it's ended, as far as I'm concerned. So now, you know, what do you do? Well, you study, you educate yourself, you diversify, and you stay nimble, be flexible. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is sponsored by Xchera Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol XAG.V. 
Xchera is a Toronto-based resource company and their primary project is the Bilbao Silver Zinc Lead Copper Deposit situated in the Panfio Natera district of Zacatecas, Mexico, approximately 50 kilometers south of the state capital of Zacatecas, where Xchera is currently completing a bankable feasibility study. Between the company's Bilbao, Laguna and Panfio projects, Xchera has a resource of 100 million silver equivalent ounces, including 33 million ounces silver in 43101 one compliant resource. Zacatecas is a well-known mining district with infrastructure in place. Mining opportunities are both open pit and underground. There are no significant environmental issues and there is an available local workforce there as well as goods and services for development of the projects. You can find a full investor prospectus on Xterra's website. Just log on to xterra.ca or find their logo and click through on the homepage of our website ellismartreport.com. And we're back. We touched on mining stocks a few minutes ago. We're pulling into September very quickly. Everyone will be returning from vacations. The summer is ending. What are some possible good moves for subscribers and listeners to make before Labor Day rolls in? Well, the HUI, the XAU, are starting to outperform the metals. And this is something you look for to confirm the bottom. So I think the bottom's in. I've called it and said on your show before. And really, well-chosen mining equities, I think, are really going to be the place to be. It doesn't negate what I've always said, and that is you should have real metal first before you buy any mining shares. But assuming you do or you're going to do that, then I think the mining shares carefully selected are really the way to go. And again, at the end of the market where you get this manic panic frenzy buying I talked about a moment ago, at that point in time, it doesn't matter what stock you buy. Not that that means you should buy any stock willy-nilly, but at that time when the public wakes up to the gold and silver story and panics into the market, any stock with gold or silver in its name will fly for a very brief time. That's what I said. The big money is ahead. We've got to be careful. I watched it in the last market. I think it will happen in this market and make history books because there will be so much of it going on for a very brief period. So quick example, at the end of the last bull market, a friend of mine bought a stock that was Golden Knight, I think was the name of it. It was on the Amex exchange. It was a $2 stock. It was $4 about a week later during the manic panic buying phase. He sold it for a quick double in a week. Then he did the research. It was not a gold company at all. It was a women's lingerie company. So this is what happens in these manic panic buying frenzies is anything with gold or silver in its name. So any stock that's around, but the caveat is you don't want to buy any cheap stock now necessarily unless it's really well researched because a lot of these stocks still with the next couple of years as we work through this, this overhead resistance that we have in both gold and silver, it'll take some time in my view. Some of these companies probably don't have the capital to sustain the next two years. A lot of them do. You just want to choose wisely. And lastly, David, educate our new listeners about the Morgan Report. Well, because we focus on money, metals, and mining, and we devote it to you, which means you are the focus of every report. Every time that we sit down and write a report, we have you as our best interest. We invest right along with you. When the time comes to make a decision, we're right there with you. And we're not perfect, but we certainly have your interests as well as ours in hand when we write the reports. And subscribers do at the second level, the basic plus level, where this guy wrote in, you have the opportunity to ask questions like this, and we guarantee an answer. Not maybe the answer you want, but we'll give you an answer. David, once again, a great segment. Thanks so much for joining me today on the program. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been chatting with David Morgan. His website is themorganreport.com. Listen to the segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartinreport.com.
The preceding segment has been sponsored by Xterra Incorporated, trading on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol XAG.V. Xterra plans to become a mid-tier producer of silver and base metals through the development of its Bilbao deposit located in the central Mexican mineral belt in the state of Zacatecas, as well as through additional exploration and acquisition opportunities. Find Xterra on the web at xterra.ca. We follow those that like to be followed. Follow them yourself at ellismartinreport.com. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. The following segment is sponsored by Excalibur Resources Limited, trading on the CNSX as XBR and in the U.S. on the OTCQX as EXCFF. Excalibur Resources is a Toronto-based emerging junior gold producer focused on the acquisition, investment, and development of small gold and silver mines that include a gold mine currently producing in Zacatecas, Mexico. Dudley Baker is the editor of CommonStockWarrants.com. Mr. Baker has 35 years of accumulated knowledge and experience in trading stocks, options, leaps, futures, options on futures, and warrants. As part of his service, he provides insights as to when insiders are buying and selling and issues buy and sell recommendations based on his research. Dudley, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be here, Ellis. Now, you've got a site tour lined up with our sponsor, Excalibur Resources, down there in Mexico. That's very exciting. It is kind of cool. So we're going to, next Tuesday, uh, what is the, I think September 10th, we're going to go over. I'm actually taking two geologists with me. It's going to be really good for me to see the project, for the two geos to see the project, and Tim Gallagher, the president or the CEO of the company, is going to meet us there. And so we're really excited about seeing what Excalibur has going right now. They're in the state of Zacatecas, so it's a big gold-silver area. And so we're excited just seeing firsthand what is happening there. So we'll have some reports when we get back, but we're glad to have Excalibur as a sponsor for this segment and glad for the opportunity to go over and visit the properties. Now, I'm a media guy, and you're an analyst and newsletter writer. Neither one of us are geologists. You don't rely on your own cursory knowledge of mining. You like to have a geologist with you, and that's what you're doing on this particular tour to Excalibur's project. You're taking two of them with you. You'd like to know what's going on. Yeah, especially in this case. For me to go over by myself, it's, to be honest, going to do little or nothing for me. I need the professional assistance and guidance here and input as an investor myself. A lot of the shares in my portfolio, so people say, well, Dudley, how do you decide what to buy? For me, I'm either following other geos, other newsletter writers that I feel have got the credentials to have verified the deposit, etc. here. I'm not flying blind on all the positions, even though I have not gone over myself. But it is great, especially living here in Mexico. So we're going to have about a four to five hour drive to get over to the properties on Tuesday. But it is nice being here close where we can physically get over there. You're a shareholder in Excalibur, and they've come up a bit in share price since we've last spoken. I believe 15 or 20 percent, and that's not bad at all in this market. Well, number one, it's always great to have a sponsor for the segment. Yeah, and in this marketplace, it is uh, unbelievable. So earlier this week, uh, it was a monster volume. The symbol on this is XBR, actually trades on the Canadian National Stock Exchange. Normally a thinly traded company, so if anybody's listening, number one, always, always, always do your own due diligence. And in this case, I'm going to say always use limit orders only. And that's what I did. Whatever number of shares that you want, you put it in a specific price and you let it sit. 
And normally what I do is I just make that good till cancel. If you get it that same day, that's great. If not, the order's going to sit right there until the trading volume is there. But yes, it has picked up probably 20% or so since they've come on board. Uh, volume is picked up. But some days it's going to trade a little to nothing, so you always need to be careful. But again, one of the many exciting opportunities out there in the marketplace. We've spoken about this before. You're not a trader. You're looking at stocks day to day, but you don't get your emotions involved. You're looking at the long term. When is that five or 10 banger going to come? You'll take a position and hold on until you feel the time is right to move out of that position or a portion of it. Exactly. I have no intention of being a short-term trader. Frankly, it just doesn't excite me. It takes so much time and attention if you're really going to do this, and especially where we're at right now. We've probably already put in the serious bottom in gold and silver, and now we're looking for those companies, and of course nearly every company has just been beat to hell price-wise. Look at charts on any of these companies, it's a nightmare. But we're looking for companies not to come in and pick up 10 or 20% off the freaking bottom. You know, we're looking for these 500 to 1,000% potentials, and we feel like there's a lot of these out here in the marketplace, and it's always a matter of never putting all your eggs in one basket, but diversifying your portfolio with the spread of these companies, and so that you feel comfortable, and you know, you sleep good at night, let's put it that way. Well, it sure is fun and rewarding to purchase a stock at a certain price, and then sell it at five or ten times what you paid for it. That almost feels like free money. Although there's a great deal of work that went into making you the type of fairly successful investor that you are on more than one occasion. Oh yeah, and those listening are probably saying, what are Dudley and Ellis smoking right now, talking about you know thousand percent potentials. I mean, if you're new to this sector, this sounds outrageous for us to be talking about it. But through the years, I've had many, many, many of these opportunities that if not 1,000, 2,000 plus percent that has been made. And so it's a matter of finding these opportunities when the markets are down. And if any of the companies happen to have long-term warrants, well, that's better yet from my standpoint, because that's what I love to look at personally. If a company does have a warrant, then we hone in on that warrant situation. But basically, there are a lot of great opportunities out here today, and there's going to be a lot of money to be made over the next couple of years for those that are stepping into the party right now. You've made some good choices overall. I've noticed that the market is responding more to news than it used to, at least compared to what it was over the summer. Do you feel like a crack addict right now with some of the opportunities out there, or are you just tempering the exuberance and continuing to make smart choices? I'd like to say I'm continuing to make smart choices. And right now, it's one of the few times I'm sitting with a little bit of cash for me. I'm trying to be patient here, making having a short list of potential opportunities. I've got an order in, and I had an order in for, for two weeks on some long-term warrants on a small gold company that I think could work out really, really good with the potential for this 1,000 to 2,000% potential over the next three years. Again, I have a limit order in. I have fulfilled roughly 75% what I wanted to buy. I've been the only buyer over the last two weeks. And I sure don't want to mention any names because this will just blow it out of the water. I found the company. The company looks good to me. They just happen to have a long-term warrant that's trading, being beat to hell. We're down in the 10 to 12 to 14 cent range on the warrant, and buying it has been pure hell. Uh, as the markets pick up, of course, the liquidity will come back to the warrant. I know that. But right now, it's really being challenged. There's not all that many warrants that are actually trading 
And so it's a little bit of a challenge. And, and even though I'm only trying to buy a small position for me, it's been a real, real challenge. So a lot of good opportunities out here. I know everyone that's listening wants me to ask you, well, when are you going to tell us the name of the company that you're putting some cash into right now? When will that happen? Will it happen? Yeah, no, it will happen. Now, the question is, do I tell the universe about it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like I've got paid subscribers to our service. Well, some of this, they're privy to what I'm doing. They don't know that I've got an order in. I could have orders in on a half a dozen stocks. On the thinly traded ones, it makes sense to me. I establish a position first. As soon as I've got an order filled, I let my subscribers know. Because what it is, I'm not putting out a buy, let's say, on any given company or a buyout on the warrants. My subscribers, basically, they get to follow what Dudley is doing. So basically, you're looking over my shoulder, and this is what Dudley has just done. And then I notify you. I've just bought something. I've just sold something. So I'm not actually, you know, putting out a strong buy recommendation on any given company. You want to follow me, you follow me. So that's just one piece of our service there at Common Stock Warrant. But basically, at Common Stock Warrants, this is just an online database of all the information on warrants that are traced, of which if all you wanted was the database of that warrant information, you may say, I don't even care who Dudley Baker is, sure don't need to follow what he's doing, I can make my own decisions based on the warrants. And if so, you can just come into our warrant database and do your own thing, and that's cool. So we've kind of got it separated via a silver subscription which is only the warrant databases, U.S. and Canada, or our goal service, which includes the same, all the database, all that wonderful information. But now you get to see what I'm doing personally and listening to my audios every Thursday and, and yada, yada, yada. So kind of two pieces to the service. We'll be right back. The Ellis Martin Report is proudly sponsored by Excalibur Resources Limited. Excalibur Resources is one of the best performing mining companies trading on CNSX under the symbol XBR and in the U.S. on the OTCQX as EXCFF. Excalibur is focused on the acquisition, investment, and development of small gold and silver mines. It's a unique strategy called micro-mining seeking shallow, high-grade, existing, and historic gold deposits, the best strategy in recently depressed markets. The company is focused on the Cataneva Gold Project in the Pinos Bonanza Gold District in Zacatecas, Mexico. Initial production in the Monera Cataneva mine is about 50 tons per day with one shift and is expected to expand to 150 tons per day with three shifts. Excalibur has a stated goal to pay dividends, and with a 16 cent share price, the intended yield would be 6.25%. Learn more about Excalibur Resources by visiting their website, excaliburresources.ca, or be sure to click on the Excalibur logo on the homepage of our website, ellismartreport.com. And we're back. I get your alerts all the time as a subscriber to CommonStockWarrants.com. I don't necessarily have to log on to the website or pay attention to what you're doing. You're just letting everyone know. In fact, the reason why you're probably sitting on more cash is that you've taken some profit recently. Yeah, and I'm trying to think what I've even sold. But I've kind of lightened up the position. There was uh, one company, again, I had a small position, a silver company that a lot of other big analysts liked. I didn't like it, but there were four insiders selling within roughly a week. And I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? We've just come in off of a serious bottom. Why are these guys unloading so quick? 
there were no options exercised in the process here. This was just straight selling in the public marketplace. I didn't like it. I had a small position. I sold it, so I raised a little cash on that one. And to me, that's for me making wise decisions. That little stock was probably already in the 4 to $5 range. I don't see that necessarily having even the potential to be a 5 to 10 banger. So I thought, well, I'm going to ease up here. we got a lot of great opportunities. And so I'm trying to be a little bit cautious here. You know, for those listening, if you're following you know, the gold and solar market, there's little doubt in my mind the main the significant bottom is in place. We are looking at the bigger picture. We're looking at where are we going to be two to three years from now. And this is where we're trying to strategically place ourselves or my portfolio. And for those that want to follow me, at least you'll know what I'm doing. And if that's guidance to you, that's great. If you decide, Dudley, I don't like that, you just get to see what I'm doing, and, and it's your choice to follow me or not. And let's face it, Ellen, there's so many analysts out here that, that we know, analysts being, you know, slash newsletter writers, and everybody has their own opinion, their own stock choices, however they find their companies. It's amazing. Almost every one of us has different stocks that we like. Wrapping your hands around that as an investor, if you have access to multiple newsletters, is somewhat of a challenge. Just a lot of different newsletters out there in the universe. Not that anybody's doing anything all that different or all that proprietary. But I'd like to come back to kind of plug us at Common Stock Warrants because we do have something at Common Stock Warrants on the database that's unique. I like to say we have the list. We have the only list of all of the uh, warrants that are trading in the United States and Canada. So a very unique proprietary service that we put together, all of the details that you need, all of the leverage calculations that you need. And we are working behind the scenes right now, hopefully within the next probably two weeks, we're going to be beefing up all of the fundamental information on each of the companies that has a warrant trading, but we're just going to have a lot of information right at your fingertips. So U.S. and Canada, there's a world of opportunities out here for those interested in the long-term war. And we're also going to get a preliminary report on your findings when you visit the Excalibur site after you return, won't we? Oh yeah, for sure. Next time we chit-chat and it's go to one of the geos that'll be going with me, he actually will be officially working under my umbrella at Common Stock Warrants, and he'll do a, a report for me with his opinion, not necessarily what Dudley Baker thinks about it, but it's going to be his opinion as a geo. And I always take these things into light. You know, sometimes it's still a matter, I, I can override a decision whether it's good or bad or whatever. We always chit-chat about it. Um, a lot of times with Ed, we're chit-chatting over a glass of nice vino, but it's great to have a professional's uh, opinion as to the good, the bad, the ugly of different projects out there in the universe. Another thing that we do religiously is we follow all of the, the news within the mining sector. For those that are listening that are looking, how do I get a handle on this? You know, we've got Junior Mining News dot com is one of our companies. We have another Junior Mining Resources kind of just another marketing portal. We have a third company that's going to be launched within probably the next couple of weeks that my son, uh, Jeff, that you've met, is working on. Nobody knows this third company is coming, and we are going to be rather aggressive with this one, and it's going to be really cool. But basically, our message is going to be to investors and to the mining companies, if you just Google junior mining, we're going to dominate that space companies that I own and the new one that's coming, we're going to be all 
over your face and hopefully to greatly dominate that space, bringing you great news on the junior mining sector. Well, I don't know if I want you personally all over my face, Dudley. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. But I'm excited about being part of the foray. Dudley, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I look forward to chatting with you again when you return from the Excalibur Project. Always great to be with you, Ellis. Thank you. I've been speaking with analyst and newsletter writer Dudley Baker. His website is commonstockwarrants.com. Dudley Baker is a shareholder of sponsor Excalibur Resources Limited. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website, ellismartreport.com, and download the Ellis Martin Report in its entirety on iTunes. The preceding segment has been sponsored by Excalibur Resources Limited, trading on the CNSX as XBR and in the U.S. on the OTCQX as EXCFF. Excalibur Resources is a Toronto-based emerging junior gold producer focused on the acquisition, investment, and development of small gold and silver mines that include a gold mine currently producing in Zacatecas, Mexico. We offer expert opinions only. Find them on our website. That's ellismartinreport.com. Find out a bunch more things to find out about at that guy's website, ellismartinreport.com. Ian Chalmers is the Managing Director of Alkane Resources, trading on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Alkane has significant assets of zirconium in its double zirconia project with rare earths and rare metals, and then gold in its Tomlingley Gold project, as well as copper in New South Wales, Australia. Ian, welcome back to the program. Oh, it's good to be with you again. Since we last spoke, you released a definitive feasibility study concerning the Dubbo Zirconia project. Would you care to bring us up to date? Yes, certainly. It was a, a fairly lengthy and in-depth study of the project, and we took into account all of the factors and all of the factors affecting the, the rare metal and rare earth industry at this stage. But the fundamentals are we came out with a capital cost of about $990 million, their Australian dollars, I should add, and... Through that, we generate a revenue of about $500 million a year against operating cost of around $200 million a year. So we have a $300 million cash flow per annum. Now, we've only based the initial financial model on a 20-year life, but the resource that we have there is really capable of, of operating for 80 years or even 100 years. So it's a, it's a long-life big resource, but financially, it tended to just focus on the first 20 years. So we were very, very happy with that result. It shows how financially robust the project is, and that followed on many years of hard work to show how technically robust the project is. So for about $990 million after three years or so, you've covered the cost of a project with a lifetime of as little as 20 and as much as 100 years with what will bring you a net of about $300 million a year. That seems like a very insignificant investment for the return you're getting, although it's almost a billion dollars, and that's not an insignificant amount. You're completely correct there, and we always recognise that a billion dollars is a lot of money, especially for a small company. But you're right also that the, the financial result will see a, a capital payback inside four or five years. So it's a very strong project in that sense. But the billion dollars, we've already put in the steps involved to raising that billion dollars. And last year, we appointed two large banks, Credit Suisse and Sumitomo Matsui Bank, to work with us and work with Petra Capital to help us to put the whole financing package 
package together and that process has started and we've allowed 12 months to get that done so this time next year I hope to say that we have project approval from the state government and also we have all our financing in place and it's a big task uh, we certainly recognise that but the strategic value of the project helps that process and by strategic I mean the metals that we will produce certainly have strategic value to a number of countries and I can here single out both Japan and Korea for example a very active looking for alternate sources of supply of strategic metals to, to what they currently get from China so there's funding available from sources like that there's also funding available from other international entities that'll help us put that billion dollars together well really the risk is low as far as that is concerned considering you have memorandums of understanding for offtake with at least four industrial entities in Asia we also of course have one with a European metal alloy manufacturer for our niobium output and then that deal basically uh, they'll help us with the technology to produce high quality ferro-niobium which they will then use themselves and also sell into the European market so it gives us a bit of diversity because otherwise uh, all of the product is sort of fundamentally heading into Asia. At this stage, places like Japan and Korea and probably India. Also, we are seeing for the first time quite a bit of interest out of China, which surprised me a little bit because China's a big producer of rare earths and a big producer of zirconium chemicals. And for us to be able to look at selling some of our materials back into China was a little bit of a surprise. But certainly there's a changing set of circumstances in China as well. So it's good to open up other potential markets. Well, in previous conversations, you ruled out China, at least for the foreseeable future, but it seems that strategy is changing. It is. As I said before, it was a bit of a surprise, but it came about after one of our marketing guys was in China, and he came back quite enthusiastic about the level of interest. So we have to say we're not changing our tact. We're always looking for places to sell our products, but that was a pleasant surprise. What are some of the uses for zirconium and niobium? Just start with zirconium first of all because it's a very diverse application. A lot of specialist ceramic applications and probably the most well-known one is in your car or your vehicle exhaust system. There's a sort of can-looking type object right at the very end of the car exhaust. That's the catalytic converter which uh, takes out all the nasty gases that are coming out of the engine. And in each of those there's about a half a kilogram of zirconia ceramic and you often hear about platinum palladium in that component but they do forget to tell you there's a, a major zirconia component it as well and that's currently about 30 to 40 percent of the whole zirconia market and then there's many other applications in drying agents in paints and other general drying agents ceramic tiles for example zirconia is often used as a glaze and the colouring of a on the top of the tiles and then the final end result is zirconium metal which is the metal that holds the enriched fuel in place in a nuclear reactor because uh, zirconium is the only metal that can withstand the temperatures and the uh, neutron bombardment that you get in a reactor so it's a small but very high high value in part of the business. Niobium's a little bit different. It's more focused in probably 90% ends up in the steel industry in some way. Traditionally, niobium steels have been used for pipelines, bridges where you need high strength and low weight. But what we have seen maybe five years or more or so ago, the auto industry started to pick up on the niobium steel. And what it does is a very small amount of niobium, a few dollars worth of niobium in the steel of a vehicle chassis, lightens it by about 10%. And that's all the you get all the emissions minimization and fuel efficiencies with the lighter of the vehicle without any loss of strength. They're the two, the broad applications of, of niobium and generally the zirconium industry is an extremely diverse business. But as long as men and women roam the planet, there's going to be a market for automobiles. And let's take a look at China, for instance. That's a market where only 3 in 10 individuals have an automobile with 1.3 billion people. 
and that's rapidly advancing. Your market is endless. Quite right. Again, for China and again India is a, is a you know, following in very similar path. And it's not only the three out of ten, but if you look at the size of the populations of both those countries, I think China's 1.3 billion and India's 1.1 billion. Well, if you take that percentage, you end up with a large, large number of automobiles uh, that are going to require a lot of components. And that is across the board here. It's zirconium, niobium, and of course all the rare earths that get used in autos these days. So if you're going to be a mining company in this market, you'd want to be alkane resources, wouldn't you? Well, it's probably a pretty good way to put it, actually. I, I quite like that concept and uh, yeah, look, we, we do believe we're in, we're in pretty good shape. Uh, we've got substantial cash resources in the bank. We're building and developing our latest gold project which will be producing next year and, and having cash flow from that and then following on behind is the very large Dubbo Zirconia project. So yeah, we would like to believe we're in a very, very good position. And wait, there's more. The Tommy Lee Gold project that you alluded to. I guess compared to the Dubbo Zirconia project, it's small, but compare that to most other junior gold companies out there, and it's not small. You're going into production in just a few months. Again, that's correct. I mean, it's a $100 million investment to generate around $30 million a year. Current spot prices are gold about $30 million a year. 10-year project life we see at this stage. Again, absolutely, it's, it's not a big project in any terms, but it's a cash flow. It's, a, it's a, We call it our bread and butter business. It'll sit behind us, sit behind everything else we do. That cash coming in enables us to keep doing other things and obviously keep the company going, doing all the things it has to do corporately also to keep exploring i mean you know the blood of any mining company is is having a project pipeline bring new projects on the stream we're not talking large amounts of money but just enough for these projects to keep flowing on once dubbo's up and running in say four or five years time maybe there's another project another gold or a gold copper project sitting behind it ready to come on stream as well so that all leads us to sort of the concept of a large cash flow business uh, that'll enable us to generate profits and again hopefully pay dividends and that's always been the strategy so Tomingly sort of is the building block of the foundation of which the big projects like Dubbo and other projects will follow on. This sounds like nothing but good news during the entire course of this interview. The caveat is the market right now. It's tough all over. Rare earths, rare metals, gold. It's just been a struggle. But yet your position much better than 95% of the other junior miners right now. What are you saying to your current shareholders and your potential shareholders keeping in mind that you yourself are a shareholder. Yeah, again, very good observation, and you know, we would currently describe ourselves as being in the, in the quadruple whammy. I mean, we fit in, we're a junior resource company, which have been hammered in the market. We're a gold company, we've been hammered in the market. We're a rare metal, rare earth company, we've been hammered in the market. I think I'm not sure what the fourth one is now, but yeah, generally there's just a whole range of negative sentiment and when the market gets into this negative sentiment even having really good projects having the cash in the bank doesn't really seem to account for much so all we say to our shareholders and is look hang in there we're very comfortable and confident things will change probably not this year but maybe as we roll into 2014 and then for potential investors is to look at it and say well you know right now the, the company's got a market capitalization about 170 million dollars we've probably got 120 million dollars in cash in the bank you know, a new gold project coming on stream it is significantly undervalued i guess that you know the judgment that people have to make is when do you buy i mean i can't put a time on that other than to say i think over the next couple of months is a very good time that uh, for, for buying opportunity i just can't believe the price will continue to go down but in this market you just don't know 
it's interesting because most people buy in when the market is high. It's just the nature of the correct human condition. Yeah. But the smartest and the wealthiest people, they get in when no one else is really looking. That's exactly right. If we all had that ability to pick the bottom of the market, we'd probably all be retired and living in some exotic tropical island somewhere. So I haven't quite mastered that yet. But it's an interesting thing to be able to try and predict where the bottom might be. Uh, hopefully it is somewhere now and over the next couple of months and then we'll we'll see a general return, not just in Alcane, but a general return back into the resources sector. You're an Australian-based company, but you do trade on the prestigious OTCQX exchange here in the U.S. We do, and certainly ANKLY is our, our trading ticker. Um, and, you know, we've certainly done that with the view to attracting the market in the U.S. to invest in the company if they don't want to come you know, via the international broking system that we have these days, but certainly that opportunity is there in the U.S. Ian, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks again for joining me today on the program. Oh, thank you, Alice. Appreciate it. I've been chatting with Ian Chalmers, president of Alcane Resources, trading on the OTCQX under the symbol ANLKY. Listen to this segment again on the podcast page of our website or download the entire Ellis Martin Report on iTunes. Contact our sponsor companies directly. They're on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. Want to make money in resource stocks? Stay informed with Resource World Magazine, covering the latest developments in mining, oil, and gas and alternative energy. Subscribe now to save half off the newsstand price. Simply visit resourceworldmag.com or call 604-484-3800. Or pick up the latest edition at select book and magazine outlets. Resource World Magazine, your insight into the world of resource investment. What? It's over. No, it can't be true. What will I do? What will I say? What? Oh, oh, this. Join us next time for the Ellis Martin Report. Remember, this is actually one of those paid programs where companies and individuals pay us to let you hear all about themselves. Then they run right back to work and get jiggy with getting busy. Remember, invest at your own risk. Get more of these powerful programs free on the web at ellismartinreport.com. The Ellis Martin Report is a unit of Big Sky Productions Incorporated. For Ellis Martin, this is Cool Voice Guy. Ciao, babies. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.